Last week we started a series called The Helper. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John chapter 14, He said, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, who will abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, for it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. For He is with you and will be in you. The last week we talked about the three, I, I, in, in the middle of preaching I said relationship statuses, you could call them that, but three different relationships of the Holy Spirit's presence to a person. Matter of fact, let me have that cup. Jesus said that the helper, let's go to the first slide there, that, because I just want to, when it says helper, there's other, there's other words that describe the word helper, parakletos in Greek, but it means comforter, it means counselor, intercessor, strengthener, aider, encourager, advocate, and standby. Jesus says, I'm going to send you another comforter. The word another means another one just like me. So literally, Jesus was saying, I'm going to pray the Father, and just the same way Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus perfectly represented his Father. And he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Literally, you could think of it like this, I'm going to send you my twin brother. And so often we think of the Holy Spirit as this mysterious person, you know, ooh. You know, and people talk about the Holy Spirit and, and kind of try to make him weird, but he's really just like Jesus. He comes to do the same things that Jesus did. He acts like Jesus. He talks like Jesus. He just doesn't look like Jesus because Jesus was God in the flesh. The Holy Spirit's obviously spirit. But Jesus says, I'm going to pray the Father will send you another comforter. And last week we looked at those three things that he says he is with you. Now we know the Holy Spirit hadn't been given, but think of it like this. This is the disciples he's talking to. This is Jesus. And I want that water to represent the Holy Spirit in Jesus. So Jesus says, he says, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, he is with you. He was with them in that he was indwelled and upon Jesus himself. So everywhere Jesus went, the Holy Spirit went. So when they were with Jesus, they were also with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says that there will come a time when he will be in you. Jesus says, I'm going away. But I'm going to pray the Father, he sends another comforter. That Holy Spirit, just like me, in you. So he's with you before you're saved. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never accepted him, the Holy Spirit's with you. He's with you. He's drawing you. He's, he's wooing you. Once you accept Jesus, He's in you. And then the third one was, that's that river of living water. He comes upon you. Now the table's taking a leak. 
So a lot of times we think, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to hit me like a ton of bricks. And some people have different experiences. Some people fall over, some people cry, some people laugh. Don't ever compare your experience with the Holy Spirit to somebody else's in terms that they got a better experience than I did. We all have different emotions, we all have different feelings, we all have different reactions. It do, because maybe you didn't cry, it doesn't make yours less of an experience. Jesus said, all you have to do is ask and receive. That's it. And he says, so I, think, I like to think of it like this, when it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, I think of upon. Where is he at? In. So when he comes upon me, he's coming upon me. He's filling the rest of me. He lives in my spirit, but now I give him access to my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotion, my body, my hands, my feet, my mouth, my eyes, my brain. He comes up on me and out of me. And that's what he wants with you. And so today I want to talk about, I want to look at this, uh, and I, don't, I, I didn't tell Levi I was talking about conviction today, at least I don't think I did, but he talked about the Holy Spirit convicting us. I want to talk about John 16, where Jesus says the Holy Spirit will convict you. And I want to look at conviction. He mentions three things that he'll convict us of. And I want to look at conviction in relationship and how it corresponds to him being with you, him being in you, and him being upon you. Because the convicting work of the Holy Spirit differs based on his relationship of being within or upon. And I just want you to see this. A lot of times, so let's go to the first slide. John chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at John 16, verses 7. Let me take a sip. Big gulp. Ah. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11 today. And we'll start with verse 7, then I want to look at verses 8 through 11 together. John 16, verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus says, hey, I'm going away, but it's really to your advantage that I go away. Now think about this. You're a disciple. You've just done ministry with Jesus for three years. You've walked with him. You've fed the crowds with him. You've healed with him. You've experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit with this guy and your friends and you love to hang out. And not only is he your mentor, but he's your buddy. And he says, I'm going away, but it's going to be really to your advantage that I go away. And i, I got to imagine the disciples are probably confused. Why would it be to their advantage and why would it be to our advantage that Jesus left so that we could have the Holy Spirit? See, when Jesus was on the earth, as I told you last week, he laid aside his godlike qualities. You can see this in Philippians chapter 2. It says that uh, being, uh, he took upon him the form of a servant, humbled himself, and he, it literally means he emptied himself. He laid aside his ability to do God's stuff, lives as a man, and then is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and only when he's a man empowered by the Holy Spirit is he able to do the miraculous. And he says, if I don't go away, I can't send him. And here's, here's the thing why it's better. Because when Jesus is on the earth, everything that he does is limited by his self-imposed restrictions. 
See, he's limited to a body. He's limited to being one person. He's limited that he can literally only lay hands on one or two or three people at a time. He literally can only teach several people at a time. He can only be in one city at a time. But when Jesus goes and he sends his Holy Spirit around the entire world at one time, it's better. Because as a Christian, which means little Christ, we can be just like Jesus all over the world. It's not just limited to one person. You can be Jesus right here in this church. You can be Jesus out on the street. You can be Jesus at your job. You don't have to go to Africa, although that's great. But you can be Jesus anywhere you go because you have the Spirit of Jesus in you. And you carry the same message. You can carry the same power that He has. And He says, if I depart, I will send Him to you. So, in context of Him sending the Holy Spirit, in context of this being better, in context of what we just learned last week, that Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. When we get to this word conviction, it, it carries a negative connotation. You ever hear the word convict and jump up and down? Ooh, I want to get convicted. I just love me some conviction. See, because in the United States, conviction carries a negative connotation. Right? When you live here, you're innocent until what? Until somebody proves you guilty. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. Doesn't always work like that, but that's the intent. It never, works like that. never works like that. Spoken from experience. Thank you, Jamie. So if we, if we look at the verb convict, to convict somebody means to to find them guilty or to de declare them guilty of some criminal offense. If I use the noun form of that, convict is what you become once you've been convicted. It's a person who's been declared to be guilty of some criminal offense and now is probably serving a prison sentence. Probably talking to some ex-convicts. Hey, hey. I didn't need a word of knowledge to know that. <laughs> I was just experienced. So we have this negative connotation of the word convict, convict, conviction, because in our legal system, it carries a negative connotation. Nobody wants to be convicted. So when we, we carry that mindset into the kingdom, it really distorts, I believe, what the convicting work of the Holy Spirit is and what is the purpose of it. So, so often we think the job of the Holy Spirit is to point out our faults. We think the job of the Holy Spirit is to, to tell us everything we're doing wrong. Well, the first question I want you to ask is, if the Holy Spirit is another comforter, the identical replica of Jesus, I don't really see Jesus doing that in his ministry. So he does it in a different way. He does it, but I don't believe he does it the way we think he does it. So let's go to John chapter 16, verse 8. I'm going to read this, and we're going to look at all three of these uh, independently. Let's go to the next slide. And when he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, or the Helper, has come, 
He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no longer. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Here's the definition of convict I want you to maintain in your head. Next slide. I want you to think of the word convince. To bring to light. To expose. So if you're on trial and you're supposedly innocent until proven guilty, you don't become guilty until the jury or the judge is convinced of your guilt or that you've committed a crime. So the Holy Spirit, when we talk about convict, I want you to read convinced because his work of convicting is one to convince you of something. He wants you to Think like he thinks. He wants you to feel like he feels. And he does this through the work of conviction. Next slide. So the first thing he does, it says he will convict. It says three things. When he is come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe on me. Of righteousness, because I go and you see me no longer. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. He will convict of sin, because blank do not believe in me. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. This is before he goes to the cross. And speaking of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit convicting of sin? They who do not believe in me. Does that sound like believers or non-believers? That's non-believers. And if you look this word up in the Greek, sin is in the singular feminine. It's not sins plural. It's literally sin. One sin. And it says, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. The one sin that the Holy Spirit is trying to convict the world of is their unbelief. Go to the next slide. I want to show you a few verses because I know, I know this may be different than what you've heard before. 1 John chapter 2, and I said this verse last week, 2-1, it says, My little children... I write to you that you do not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. Verse 2 says, And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, but not our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What does that mean? What John is telling, he's saying, Hey, you're saved. I don't want you to sin. If you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Remember we said advocate is... With, in terms of Jesus, is the same word, helper. And then he goes on to say, he, speaking of Jesus, is the propitiation. Now that's just a big word. 
that means uh, some translations will say atoning sacrifice. Some translations will say uh, appeasement. It literally means that he perfectly satisfied the Father in terms of sin. That when he paid for sin, when Jesus hung on the cross, he took all sin upon him. Every sin that was ever committed, all past sin, all present sin, and all future sin. And so a lot of times we think, well, how can he pay for future sin? Well, all of your sin was future sin in terms of the cross, because you hadn't even been born yet. So he took care of all sin from Adam until the end of time. And he, he paid for it. And so John is saying that he's the complete satisfaction for our sin. And we know that as believers. But we also forget that he's also paid for every sin of everybody that's not yet believed. So I've told you this before, that Jesus will walk you arm in arm all the way to hell with your sins paid for. Do you realize that every day people spend eternity in hell just because they did not believe? They go to a hell that was never made for them having their sins completely paid for. That's a, that's a sobering thought. To think that Jesus took your sin debt, paid it, you refused to accept it, and then you spend an eternity in a place made for the devil and his angels because of one little sin. Next slide. There's only one sin. You ever heard of blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Now, there's been a lot of bad teaching about what blaspheming the Holy Spirit is. You have to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit to understand what it means to blaspheme or reject or call Him a liar in order to commit the sin. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says in John chapter 15, 26, He says, when He comes, He will testify of Me. The whole ministry of the Holy Spirit is to point to Jesus. The whole ministry of the Holy Spirit is to tell people what Jesus has done for them. And so, Jesus says this here, He says, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. If you're unsaved, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's with you. He's testifying to you about that Jesus has already paid for your sin. That you've already had all your sin paid for, and you only need to do one thing to make the transaction complete. Believe. 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 See, in essence, people think about what's the unpardonable sin? Is it murder? Is it adultery? Is it suicide? 
The unpardonable sin is rejecting what the Holy Spirit is telling you about Jesus. It's literally the only sin that will ever send you to hell. See, a lot of times we think people are going to hell because they've done this or they've done that, or they committed this sin or committed that sin. Jesus has already paid for all those. All those are paid for. The sin that will send you to hell is the sin that the Holy Spirit comes to convince unbelievers of. Your sin's paid for. You need to believe. You need to receive Jesus. You need to let His righteousness become you because He's already taken your sin. Next slide. The only sin that will keep you from heaven is to reject what the Holy Spirit's testifying to you about Jesus and your need to receive Him. Here's a fact. The longer you say no, the harder it is to say yes. See, I don't think you can finally commit this sin until you draw your last breath. The thief on the cross accepted Jesus before he died. You can say no, you can say no, you can resist the Holy Spirit, but I don't believe you can fully commit this sin until you take your last breath, and then it's too late. So you just don't know when that's going to be. Everybody thinks they got one more hour, one more day, I got another year, I'll do it next week, next year. I'm going to wait till I get married or wait till I have kids or I'm going to do it on my deathbed. You may not have that opportunity. You're not guaranteed that opportunity. Go to the next slide. See, I want to tell you this, that the longer you say no, the harder it is to say yes. It's a proven fact. It's a proven fact. This study is about 15 years old. But Barna Group did research back in 2004 or 5, I don't remember which, but when people accepted Jesus as their Savior. 43% of everybody that accepts Jesus does it before the age of 13 years old. 34% of people that accept Jesus do it from 13 to 18. Which means that only 23% of people that ever say yes to Jesus do it after they're 21. And I think it points back, you might say, well, that's because kids are more gullible. I think it points back to Jesus says that unless you receive the kingdom with the faith of a little child, you can't get in. See, the longer you go in your life saying no, 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 not yet, not yet, not yet, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, your heart keeps getting harder. You keep resisting the Holy Spirit. until you just don't even hear him anymore. And it's not that he's not there. It's not that he's no longer with you. It's just you become so hard, you can't even hear his voice. But he's still trying to tell you, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Your sins have already been paid for. You just need to believe. That's what he's trying to convince you of. I was thinking about it this week. In the U.S., 
we are innocent until proven guilty. But when you're born in the world, you're guilty until proven innocent. See, you were born guilty. Paul said that sin entered the world by one man, death by sin, and because of that, death passed on all men. You were born with a death sentence. So you're not born innocent. You might have that little baby, oh, you know, we had Lily last night, and she's so innocent and precious. But you wouldn't say, wow, what a beautiful sinner. But we're born with a death sentence. And it takes the convicting work of the Holy Spirit to bring you to a point that you realize it's already paid for. His work is to prove you into innocence. To take you from guilt to innocence. Alright, next. He will convict of righteousness so, convicting of sins because they don't believe. Convicting of righteousness is because I go to my father and now who's he speaking to? You, the disciples. That's us. Now he's shifting. He says the Holy Spirit is convincing believers of their need, unbelievers of their need to believe so as not to commit the one sin that will keep them from entering eternity with Jesus. But now, once you've been convinced and, and accept Christ, the Holy Spirit is now in you. And when He's in you, His job now is to convince you of your righteousness. See, righteousness means to have right standing with God, to be innocent, guiltless, faultless. That I've already been declared innocent, and I know it, and I stand here, and I remain innocent, guiltless, faultless. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.21, it says, Him who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, on the cross, Jesus took all of our sin and we receive all of His righteousness the very instant that we're saved. And too often, we tell people that they're righteous the day they get saved and then the rest of their life, we just want to pick, 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 pick. Pick, 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 pick. Or we think the Holy Spirit is point, 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 point. So think about it like this. If I told you that you are a red apple, the day you get saved, you're a red apple. What are you? You're a fruit, Don says. What are you? You're a red apple. But then the rest, the next week, the next year, quit acting like a green apple. Quit acting like a green apple. Quit acting like a green apple. Stop acting. Don't think about green apple. Quit acting like a green apple. You know, when you start telling somebody opposite of what they are, guess what they start to believe they are? They start to believe and act the opposite of the nature that they are. See, you don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you what you're doing is wrong. That's what your wife is... No, I'm just kidding. That's your wife's for. You knew what you were doing wrong. Autumn told me this last week. She goes, I wasn't even saved and I knew what I was doing was wrong. 
Do you have a conscience in you? The Holy Spirit's job is to convince you that, yes, you may have sinned. Right? We have an advocate with the Father, but we have an advocate in-house. He's not your prosecuting attorney. He's your defense attorney. He's on your side. Right? The prosecuting attorney is telling you, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're no good, you're a failure, you're screwed up, you're not worthy. Your defense attorney, you're righteous because I made you that way. You're righteous. I know you messed up, but you're righteous. Jesus' blood has already paid for that. You're righteous. You're righteous. You're righteous. You're righteous. You're righteous. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, has a vision of the age of grace. He has a vision of the Messiah, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, and he says that he, the Messiah, will put an end to their sin, atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness. See, you become righteous by faith. You don't work to get righteous, and you don't do bad stuff to become unrighteous. Once you're made righteous, you're righteous. And the Holy Spirit wants to tell you that. He wants to affirm that in you. Because you get enough other people telling you you're not. See, the thing is, once you begin to realize that you are righteous, guess what you'll start doing? You're going to live righteous. When you think you're a sinner... You're going to sin. When you start thinking that you're an addict, you're going to walk that out. That's why we make an effort here that once you are saved, you are no longer a sinner. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that occasionally might sin. See, your nature is righteous. When you were not saved, your nature was that of a sinner. Now you're a saint. You're righteous. You're righteous. You're righteous. You're righteous. That's what he wants to tell you. I know you messed up, but you're still righteous because you can't earn it. You're still righteous. You're still righteous. Look in the mirror. You're righteous. Let's go to the next slide. Something the Lord showed me this week. Did you know the devil... The devil always works opposite of what God does. Right? He tries to duplicate and to pervert and twist what the Holy Spirit's doing. And so that if the Holy Spirit has a work of convicting, you know the devil does too. Except it's opposite. When you're unsaved, and 100% guilty, the devil wants to convince you that you're innocent. Oh, you're good. You're good. Eh, maybe did a little bad, but you've done more good. You're good. But you're not. So when you're unsaved, you're 100% guilty. The devil wants you to think you're okay. Once you're saved and you're 100% righteous, he wants you to think what? You're guilty. See how he works? 
When you're unsaved, he wants you to, oh, yeah, it's all good, enjoy it. You're, you know, that ain't going to hurt you. But once you've accepted Jesus and you've been made righteous, he wants to pour that condemnation on you. That's why Paul said that therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation in Christ. And if you're saved, you're in Christ. There's no guilty sentence. There's no damnatory sentence. You're righteous. With you, the Holy Spirit's convincing you that you need Jesus. In you, the Holy Spirit's convincing you that no matter what, you're righteous. Upon you, this is where we talk about being baptized, filled with the Spirit. Upon you is where the third work of conviction comes in. Next slide. It says, He will convict of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Who's the prince of this world? The devil. The devil. You know, in all these verbs where it says, because they don't believe on me, because uh, you see me no longer, those are all in the present tense. But where it says the prince of this world is judged, it's in the perfect tense, which means it's once and for all time done. That the devil was judged at the cross. See, when Jesus was here, he operated as a man completely sin-free, full of the Holy Spirit, had complete power and authority over the enemy. But he wants to empower us so that we can do the same works that he did. John says that Jesus was manifest to do what? Destroy the works of the devil. See, a lot of times we think, well, I got authority. And that's true. Jesus gave his disciples authority the day he ascended. He said, all authority has been given to me, go therefore. And he gives them authority, but he says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you've received or been endued with power from on high. In Luke 9, when he sends the disciples out, he says he gave them power and authority. Think of it like this. If I'm a policeman, when I hold up a badge, that displays my what? Authority or power? Authority. When I pull out this, power backs authority. The power you receive from the Holy Spirit is like the policeman's gun. The authority is like the badge. They work in tandem. And if we're going to have a ministry that destroys the works of the devil, then we have to receive power of the Holy Spirit upon us. You won't do it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. You may no longer be saved. You might be righteous. You're going to go to heaven. But you can't walk out the supernatural life without being filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving His power. 
Go to the next slide. Jesus says, now's the judgment of the world. The ruler of this world will be cast out. Talking about the devil. He's talking about the time he goes to the cross. At the cross, he was defeated. Next slide. So here's Jesus. I think I mentioned this verse last week. He's operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. It said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with what? Power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Everything bad comes from the devil. If it's bad, it's not from God. See, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to destroy the works of the enemy, whether that be somebody that's stuck in sin, whether that's somebody that's, that's in bondage to something, whether it's somebody that, that is sick, whether it's somebody that's on the road to hell, whatever it is, when we allow the Spirit power to flow through us to bring transformation in that situation, we convince the world that the devil has already been judged. So you're never going to have power over the enemy without the power of the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't happen. And if you want God to use you to bring conviction and, co and convince people that the devil has been defeated, you can't do it without his power. With you, with you, he's convicting you of your need for Jesus. In you, he's convincing you that you're the righteousness of God. And upon you, He's using you to convince the world that the power of the enemy has been broken. I'm just going to take a little time today. Another the worship team come back up. Or just a couple from the worship team. I'm going to take a few minutes today. And I want to invite you to, if, if you want, if, really want to open it for anything. If, you, if you're sick and you need prayer to be healed, we don't believe in praying for healing. We believe that Jesus has already healed you. We believe that he said we'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So if you're sick and you need healing, we want to pray for you. If, you want to, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, we want to pray with you for that. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we want to pray with you for that too. So if you have any needs, we we'll have people to be here at the front. Just take a few minutes and uh, invite you just to settle right now. Why don't we stand up? Let's say this. Holy Spirit, I want everybody to say this. Holy Spirit, what are you convincing me of right now? Because that, that, what he's convincing you of could be different depending on where you're at with the Lord. Holy Spirit, what are you 
convincing me of right now. It's not about your neighbor. It's not about your spouse. It's not about your friend. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? He speaks. He's speaking. If you don't know Jesus, what He's saying to you is, I have a plan for your life. You may think you don't deserve forgiveness, but it's already been paid for. not committed a sin that puts you too far gone. I already knew about it and I already died for it. You just need to receive me. If you're a believer, maybe you're living in sin. Maybe you have fallen off the path. He's saying, hey, get up. Condemnation pushes you down and away from God. Conviction lifts you up and draws you close. So if you want to know, am I being condemned or am I being convicted? If it's pushing you away from God, then it's the devil. If it's drawing you to him, it's the Holy Spirit. He's never pushing you away. He's picking you up and drawing you close. known the Lord say I've never had any power in my life I need the Holy Spirit's power saying just ask just ask